Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my review of the Crown of Sorrow raid. I've completed it a handful of times and was even in there today trying to beat it before reset, so I've got some thoughts on it. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching it on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now at twitch.tv slash say no to rage. If you're watching on YouTube, hitting the like and the subscribe button helps me out as well. So this is a, a raid that is getting lots of praise. It's a good one, and I, I have criticisms, but I'm going to kind of save those for the end. So if you want to hear my criticisms, they are going to kind of center around the loot. Most of what I have to say is really positive because I really do enjoy this raid. If you're familiar with Vicarious Visions, they are the company. This was their Swan Song DLC, and this raid has a lot of similarities to Spire of Stars. So if you liked and remembered Spire of Stars, you'll probably enjoy this raid, but I, I'm, I'm worried it falls short in some ways that previous raids have as well. So I want to open by just talking about the setting, then I want to talk about the encounters themselves, and then I want to end by talking about the loot. And that's obviously where the, my criticisms are going to fall, is because I, that's just something that needs to be figured out. That, that, kinda, that almost supersedes this raid, because this raid is not somehow like an exception to something that's been a problem since well before the season of opulence even started so let's just talk about setting because i think that's important obviously you go past the main entrance and you can even fight in the main entrance during the menagerie and it's probably one of the cooler places in the leviathan and really in destiny i it it reminds me of a lot of the scenes and and settings in the dreadnought where there's this massive scope it's enormous it gives you this sense of just it's epic in size and it's humongous and that's a cool feeling that always made the dreadnought feel very large and almost haunting and that you get a similar feel for that in this rate as well as in the menagerie in general menagerie is a lot of corridors and stuff but when it opens up in that room and the way they set this up i think is really really good i love how the final boss room i actually said today i I really kind of looked at it and really kind of came to the conclusion i think this is the best final boss room we've ever been in I know everybody's going to be like, well, Oryx's room, Atheon's room, like those rooms are so cool. I don't think any of the endgame rooms are bad. Uh, you know, Axis's endgame room is probably the most plain. It's just kind of like a big, you know, triangle, almost like baseball diamond. But this room is just phenomenal. You know, it almost makes me think of Aladdin where, you know, you go into this giant treasure room and there's just piles of gold. The lighting, you know, the way that he's kind of standing there. Such a such a cool setup, and it really does give you this sense that you're in a gigantic sort of treasure storeroom, and it ties in well with the settings leading up. Like, the jumping puzzle room is really, really big, very, very high, almost like vaulted ceiling, and then the far, you know, drop down below. And I think that feeling of it being epic in scope and size was a good decision. Uh, Scourge of the Past had more of like a city, almost urban feel. The, the end game fight, the last boss fight in, in Scourge is almost like a Call of Duty map, and I really like that fight. I I actually think the end fight for Scourge of the Past is still the best boss fight they've ever designed. This one's pretty close, though. I do like the mechanics, so let's talk about the encounters. This is, if you've played Spire of Stars, one of the reasons I think people are going to find this raid difficult is because Vicarious Visions likes to split you up, they like to assign things that have to be passed back and forth, and they like you to really feel the pain from just one death. I mean, just one death and a lot of your rhythm and a lot of what you're trying to work on is going to get thrown off. So at a foundational level, before I even get into the specific encounters themselves, that is something that you're really going to have to kind of get in 
you know get in the mindset for i think one of the one of the things i struggle with in a raid like this it's very difficult to coach because it ultimately a lot of times a lot of times it just comes down to don't die can you please stop dying essentially that's what it comes down to and there's randomness especially in the final boss fight if you have a crystal or don't have a crystal if the crystal's in the front or the back you're having to change your locations quite a bit and that intensity kind of reminds me of wrath you're moving a lot and that movement kind of causes chaos in a lot of raids you can kind of stand in the same spot shoot the ads as they come out you kind of get in a rhythm you know where your safe place is and that can kind of lead to a polished raid run and in this raid you can't do that as often so the first the first encounter i think is really really dope some people have said they feel like it's a little bit too long it does sort of feel reminiscent to the templar and the you know getting rid of the oracles and it you know it's like man when is this going to be over and i remember in that one they even shortened that during age of triumph because they they felt like it was it was a little bit too long and to the people in chat saying the crystals move clockwise that's actually not what i said so go back and watch i said sometimes they're in the front sometimes they're in the back and sometimes you don't have one at the beginning that's what i'm talking about so i'm not talking about the actual fact that the crystals move from one section to the other in clockwise i wasn't i wasn't actually talking about that i'm talking about like you have to move your location dependent upon where the crystals are and if they're front or back then the ads are in a different place the knights are in a different place the boss might be shooting you that randomness adds an intensity and like what i told people today is you kind of have to have almost like a rolodex of game plans if it's in the front or the back if you don't have the crystal if you have the guy you know the deception you have to have almost like four or five like oh we got to do plan a we got to do plan b because if not you're probably going to get smoked because there's just a lot of damage that can happen all at once you also have to have really good survival instincts in all of these fights in the beginning you're kind of split up into three sections and that permeates throughout the rest of the raid you don't have to split up into three sections in the beginning but you have to in the final two encounters because that's just they're, they're almost softly suggesting that in the beginning so find a battle buddy find a partner get some good synergy that's going to permeate throughout the rest of the raid and a lot of the times you don't know which side of which is going to have what and where you're going to have to stand and that leads to that chaos and that's why sometimes it's kind of good to know where you should be going I loved running as a hunter for that reason because of the ability to dodge as is being mentioned uh, in chat so the second encounter the jumping section i actually think this is one of the better uses of a jumping puzzle a lot of the times jumping puzzles are merely you just have to get you just have to do it you just have to freaking jump through here and it's annoying and the lead-footed dum-dums keep falling and you're there for forever i like that the jumping section is like an actual encounter with a mechanic you actually get checkpoints so like if you get so far you have to go back and do the entire thing over again i like that aspect i also like that you get gear at the end of it so it's kind of like the replacement for the sparrow race in Scourge. You're actually doing something. It actually has to be cleared as a, you know, as a team because you're passing the the blessing back and forth, and then you get gear at the end of it. Uh, I, I particularly enjoy that. I'm wondering if there's a secret in there. I'm wondering if there's like a place you can get, maybe or a higher or a lower place or something where you can get with the different uh, platforms. Probably not. It does seem to be kind of a straight shot all the way across. But I appreciate that the the jumping encounter is not just a jumping puzzle for the sake of a jumping puzzle. Like it's an actual encounter with a mechanic. The final two fights. I enjoy them about as much as I get annoyed by them because I really like the intensity. Once I kind of get in the zone and I'm not dying and I get the rhythm, like I was more accustomed to the to the, the the second to the last encounter. 
and today in the last encounter I really started to get in a rhythm of knowing when stuff was coming out knowing like okay we're getting the deception you come punch first because you have blessing get out of here so you don't lose your blessing and then I'll punch you got to have him dead center because you know you need the blade to come down on him I like that I was like I'm really starting to kind of see what pivots I need to make and when but I like it as much as I don't like it because the token system caused a couple wipes today. We literally had him on the ropes and we had a death in a section and we couldn't get to, and we ran out of tokens. We couldn't get to the res. And I know people are always going to push back and be like, well, the good team won't run out of res tokens. Well, oh, the frick K, but I like clutching. I miss that from Wrath of the Machine and doing it with five people, clutching it up and finishing it with, with you know, being down a man, I think is really exciting. It's better than watching a timer countdown that kills you. I think that's kind of freaking lame so i enjoy the fact that in the end they split you up you've got to rely on your teammates you've got to stay alive there's good intensity there's good movement i i think that you know the setting and the encounters are fantastic let's end by talking about the loot this is just a giant disappointment once again we're in a situation where the loot doesn't stand out there's nothing significant about it there's nothing special about it it looks cool the aesthetic is awesome we know the art team can make dope looking stuff but there's nothing special about the armor there's nothing special about the guns and i understand people are like well you get a raid exotic if you have to always run to the Alamo of the Anarchy or the 1K Voices or the new Raid SMG to be like, oh, you do get something cool in the Raid, you're kind of making my argument for me. Like, if you have to run to one weapon out of an entire Raid's loot pool to act like we get something special, you're not making a very, very good case, right? Now, two mods is nice, but that doesn't make the Raid armor stand apart. There's The armor from the Eververse has the activity slot. Any new armor in Opulence has that activity slot. The only real benefit of running the raid would be that the actual raid mods can drop while you're in there. So there's nothing special or significant. The guns don't stand apart. Some of them even have arguably bad perk pools. So this to me is a glaring flaw in raid philosophy and they need to fix this. If I'm running endgame aspirational content, the loot should be in line with that. The intentionality of Menagerie, it's six-man, it's match-made, anybody can go in there and do it. That is my argument for the raid having aspirational, pinnacle, awesome gear, because anybody can go run Menagerie, you can have that intentionality with the Chalice, and it's a six-man, match-made, endgame activity. So that's there for everybody, and then the aspirational content should stand apart. These guns should have unique perks, they should at the very at least have something that maybe makes them stronger in the raid or something so that as you're grinding for the exotic maybe you feel stronger maybe feel like you're taking things down fundamental foundational flaw in my opinion with end game content you should never have aspirational content with mediocre gear that can be found matched or even outdone in the rest of the game Okay, so pinnacle weapons are kind of playing a part here. You can get a delirium You can that's better than the machine gun. You can get a lot of the, the pinnacle things, and those are actually better than raid gear, and that's a problem in the hierarchy of loot within the game. So overall, love the raid. They did a bang-up job, but Bungie has got to nail down their aspirational content loot philosophy because raids should never have mediocre gear. From the top to the bottom, they should be standout, unique, and awesome because right now, once people are getting the S, SMG, they're probably going to bail on the raid because Menagerie's got more uh, intentional player agency and volition and the raid doesn't have anything really special within its loot pool or its perk pool. So we're going to transition to Q&A. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. As with all of my content, I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe.
Thank you for listening to or watching their episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the question and answer session that came after my review of Crown of Sorrow. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. Probably catch me live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Uh, And if I'm not live, you can always follow the channel or hit like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Appreciate you guys very much that have been enjoying the content. I really enjoyed the raid. Basically, the only criticism I could make was that the loot's just not interesting enough. And I'm hoping they make that change in September. And I walked through the encounters and everything and talked about them and why I like them. So, let's go through the questions here. N. Saladino says... Do you think that Armor Masterwork should give a third perk instead of resistance? I don't know what their plans are going forward in September, but they made they, they did indicate that like intellect, discipline, and strength is returning. And they did indicate that they want more stats on armor and, and guns and just gear in general. So I would think I would think that they're gonna pr- hopefully do something along those lines where masterworking armor feels maybe more significant once September gets here. Right now, here's the main issue that we have, and this is why it's good they're sort of digging into the MMORPG identity of the game more. If right now they just gave you, like, extra perks on your armor, and they're like, yeah, here you go, and you're like, sweet, thanks, you you don't really need them, right? Even some of the ones I've seen, some of the mods I've seen for the raid, you know, they, they don't seem significant enough or they don't really seem like they're going to change that much so I got Hive Invigoration it said defeating a challenging Hive enemy refreshes your class ability I just honestly don't feel like that's going to do hardly anything Like, so I kill what a major and I get back my rift or my dodge or my rally barricade Like that's not that influential and that's a raid raid mod that that drops in the raid Uh, I got these two here that says activating a void super or in this one activating a solar super recharges your grenade again i'm 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 looking at that thinking like that's that barely registers on game impact it doesn't that doesn't that doesn't do anything to 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 the game very very little and people are like well you could run multiple raid mods and you got five pieces so maybe those will just be like a nice little like cherry on top I just I think in general they they need to go further with the raid armor they need to go further with raid perks but in general armor also needs something more to it but if they do that we need more challenging content heroic menagerie has me kind of hopeful that they're going to start thinking about difficulty spectrum because if you start adding perks to armor or actual mods that seem influential, you could start to trivialize the content. You could start to make us too strong. Like, we're not really going into encounters right now and feeling that need to be like, oh my gosh, I need to min-max. Oh my gosh, I need a couple more points of this or a couple more points of resilience or I need to get this back faster. Any of those things. Those aren't real pain points right now. Because once you're at Delta, it's like, kill a couple trash ads, kill a major, satisfy a mechanic. You know, and that's pretty much it. And that is, uh, that's one of the reasons that, like, I think that coaching in Crown of Sorrow is really difficult. Because once somebody's at Delta, it's sort of like, you you just have to manage those things and not die. And that's essentially what it is. And having some of those raid mods or more perks on your armor is probably not going to do anything to, to make the, the content any more, you know, accessible or easy or anything like that. Defo side says off topic, but do you think we are leaving gear behind for Shadowkeep? Probably not. I, I just I don't know. I, I, I 
if we suddenly were to leave gear behind in Shadowkeep, it would probably be maybe anything pre-Forsaken. Maybe that's what they would say. Everything pre-Forsaken's going away, which your precious Icolos, your your Midnight Coup, and that's pretty much it. Those things would all get left behind. Maybe they couldn't level up anymore or something. They, you wouldn't want to suddenly take stuff away from us that we got in Opulence or Drifter. Like your recluse or your, you know, any of the any of the menagerie gear you've been grinding for. There's a delicate balance, right? There's a delicate balance. You don't want to just say, yeah, you guys just got that stuff and now it's invalid. But you also don't want to say, oh, that gear you got two years ago, yeah, you can still use that. I think there's a happy medium. I think about every 12 to 18 months, the... Uh, I think the gear should roll off, personally. Uh, Momoheim, did the mechanics of this raid give you any last wish vibes? No, not at all. Like, that's not really... That's not like a... Th- that, there's no similarities in my mind between last wish and this raid. This raid is far more like Spire of Stars. You're passing buffs that can kill you. The buffs have a timer. You can only hold it for so long. You know, if one person dies, the whole rhythm gets thrown off. In last wish... You're like, you're surviving and like satisfying mechanics that you don't necessarily need to like pass between each other. There's not like a mechanic where, other than standing on those plates, there's not like a mechanic that's going to kill you except for, you know, the final queen's walk. But even that's different. It's not that it's going to kill you. It's that you have to stay in the bubble or the room kills you. It's very different. So I don't, I didn't really get any, any mechanic vibes in this raid from Last Wish. It's more like Spire. Uh, Gritter, is there anything you would change about Crown of Sorrow? I find it just a little too unforgiving compared to Leviathan, Last Wish, and Scourge. Are you okay with how sensitive Crown of Sorrow mechanics are? I mean, that's a piece of feedback that I, I have... I, 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 I do feel like there are elements to, like, punching the guy that can glitch out. I Maybe they should be a little more forgiving on that. Um... I think the window should maybe just be a little bit longer on the punch. Like, if the guy with the blessing hits him, he should just be vulnerable to somebody else's punch for, like, five whole seconds or something. I feel like the window is small. I also feel like sometimes latency plays a part. We've had we've had really, really good runs just go right into the toilet because of a glitch. Like, you just can't get him to stun. And you very visibly and can clearly see someone with and without the blessing are going in and punching him, and it's just not working. Also, since you have to stun the deception in the final boss fight, and then the axe has to come down and hit him, we've had him get stunned and continue moving. Uh, We've had him literally right next to the, the, the blade coming down and not die. There are elements to that fight that I'm just like, do you really need to be this unforgiving? We're satisfying the mechanic and we're all staying alive and you're wiping us because of like a five foot difference in where he's standing eh that's just not, rage just shouldn't be that way I don't think, and also you shouldn't be wiping to glitches We, we, we had him yesterday we killed him, he had the kill animation empty health bar, he respawned with the full health bar the second to the last encounter, not the last encounter but the second to the last encounter just respawn with a full health bar like, made no sense, you know? 
Uh, uh, Leaner says, What do you think of Bungie adding a Prison of Elders update that features assorted raid encounters from D1 as a love letter to D1? Uh, This is just you putting out your idea. This isn't really a question. I mean, I, I, I would love to go back and fight the original raid encounters in like a boss rush mode. We may get something like that with the the nightmares on the moon but this is just more like uh this is just more of a like here's an idea they could take prison of elders and shove raid content to idea it's not necessarily a question about the game itself um so uh death starfish lono do you think bungie needs to put in some sort of in-game party finder lfg isn't hard to work with lots of players still complain about it i do think um I do think you could take something and like put something in the game to say here's a way to funnel people together like matchmaking works in menagerie didn't really work in reckoning so I I do think if anything that's proof that raids really wouldn't work with matchmaking but raids could certainly work with this idea of like let's bring people together let's have a group finder let's you know, let's funnel people together who are wanting to do, you know, aspirational endgame content. You you have to have a mic plugged in. I don't know if there's a way for them to detect that. Like, if you go to the you know, you go to the the group finder board, if your mic's not plugged in, you can't interact with it. You know, because every dum-dum on planet Earth would walk up to them like, I'm ready to raid and they wouldn't have their, their headset plugged in. That's not fair to the team, right? Like, you couldn't do these raids without communication. And I know people are like, well, there's teams that are deaf that have done it. Yes, and they come up with very specific ways to communicate with emotes and stuff that you, you can't just randomly impose your no mic, no headset state on people. Like, that just doesn't work. Um, so. If you were able to launch Reckoning from the director... Oh, you meant Forges. I was like, you can launch the Reckoning from the director. Uh, Mechanibus says... Do you find any downside using a controller on PC? No, I think it's a controller, con- you know, console-based game. There's nothing wrong with using a controller. Uh, it's it's a completely legitimate way to play the game. It's how the game was born. Like at its core, at its core, this is a controller-based game. It is a console game at its heart. Um, and I don't understand why people care what you use. Uh, a lot of the maps on PvP are even designed to favor just that more passive lane shooting controller game style. Uh, and I think that's why some people get frustrated and call like pulse rifles dad rifles and like they want to denigrate people who use a controller. Because if everyone's playing aggressive with mouse and keyboard and they're all using hand cannons and shotguns, sure, it then it comes down to who's got the best like quick twitch flip aim you know who can spin around the fastest and all that but when you're on lanes it doesn't it honestly doesn't matter a lot of the times because you're not dealing with you're not you're not dealing with like quick twitch aiming like you are when you're in environments that are like when you jump over a wall and there's somebody like below you and you know you've got a freaking like turn down really really fast and like nail the shotgun shot a lot of the times you're just you're not dealing with that you're dealing with um Pardon me. I finally got him. Okay, sorry. I finally got the fly. He's been bothering me all day. 
Uh, so yeah, use whatever you want. Hey, JD. Do you think some of the mechanics in Crown of Sorrows need to be moved over to the prestige mode? Also, I'm super happy you did a great job hosting E3. Good job. Uh, hope to see you next year. Oh, thank you. Um, as far, okay, as far as the mechanics needing to be moved to prestige, no. I, I don't even know if they've got a prestige mode planned. As far as I know, like, um, Menagerie has a, has a heroic version, right? They haven't said anything about about Crown of Sorrow getting a heroic version. So I would I I, I I don't think there's anything in the current Crown of Sorrow's raid that feels like it's unattainable or too hard or not fair. It's a raid that's just unforgiving. Like somebody got smarmy in the chat a little bit ago, like it's not unforgiving. You guys are just making mistakes. Okay, you're literally saying what we're saying. It's unforgiving, which, as a statement, assumes mistakes are being made, because if you make a mistake, it's unforgiving. It's harder to come back from those mistakes. Like, that's literally what unforgiving means, but the person in chat wanted to grind an axe and seem like they're cool, so they make some smarmy, you know, smart aleck remark, and it's like, that's what unforgiving means. And it's okay to have unforgiving raids. It's okay. King's Fall was unforgiving. If you fell from going for the relic... Unforgiving. That's a wipe. If somebody jumped on their 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 plates in the wrong order and made that person fall, unforgiving. That's a wipe. Totems was very unforgiving. You make a slight you make a slight mistake. Timing's off. You die. Your side burns everybody out and kills everybody. Unforgiving. Like it's okay to have unforgiving encounters. Unforgiving just means the slightest mistake brings excessive pain, which leads to more probable and more consistent and more common failure. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I think King's Fall did it right, though. I've continued to say the philosophy of design hard first, then scale it down to normal is a perfect like spectrum of this is what normal feels like, this is what hard feels like. And I feel like with this raid in particular... I don't know what they would do to take it up to prestige mode. I, I other than being like you got to do things more times, right? That's kind of what they did in Axis. Is you have you have to kill more things, you have to throw more things, you have to do more things, more monitors, more balls, more more this, more that. So I mean other than that, I don't know what they could do with this to to make it more difficult. Unless they because they could have dialed it down from where it is but then I feel like it might have been too easy like I feel like it's in a nice it's in a nice pocket um, the only thing I could think they could do to make it like a hard mode is if you remember the light eater knights from Oryx there could be like like blessing I don't know blessing thrall or something and if they come and hit you like blessing stealers if they come and hit you they steal your blessing so you've really got to be on your toes. You got to know when they're coming. You got to know who's going to take them out. Because if they slap the guy with the blessing, he's going to lose it. Like something like that could ratchet it up to where it's like managing light eater nights, where you're doing the same thing, but you're mitigating a new pain point. But I don't know. I don't know if we want to go there because I do think it's in a good place. It's difficult to just tack on difficulty. I think it's easier to take difficulty to the absolute ceiling and then you scale down from there and say, we've removed some pain points. Here's your normal. Here's your heroic. Uh, Potato of death. When deciding armor sets, does it matter or should I just keep changing out for better light? 
while you're leveling, it really doesn't matter. When you're going into endgame content, you're going to want to consider your build. What's your recovery? What's your resilience? Um, do you have, you know, gauntlets that work with your the gun that you're using? Do you have, you know, what are you, are you using something that is being not even helped? If you're running machine guns a lot of the time or grenade launchers a lot of the time and all your armor is helping like rocket launchers, well, you're going to want to make some tweaks once you feel like you're going into endgame content or once you're ready to start infusing. But if you're just leveling up, it honestly doesn't matter. You don't have to, you don't have to infuse. You can just equip whatever you get. I generally, by now, I have the gear that I like. I've got gauntlets, helmet, chest, boots, etc. that I like, so I just automatically kind of infuse those whenever I get a big jump because I don't see the point in not doing it. I feel like I need to make a talk about infusion again, which I know everyone's like, oh, here goes Lono again, talking about infusion. I've been infusing like crazy because I have a ton of enhancement cores, and you want to know what happened? I was consistently running out of glimmer. I was consistently running out of planetary materials. Do you want to know why? Because I was basically infusing as if masterwork cores or enhancement cores were not an issue. So if you imagine, I had like 300 plus enhancement cores. If you remove enhancement cores from the equation, the economic pain hit me. It 100% hit me. I got to the point where I needed to go to spider, or I ran out of materials or whatever. Like, I think... The Glimmer and the Planetary Materials and the Legendary Shards are good enough economic pain points. You don't need Enhancement Cores, and my experience, I think, is proof of that. Because if you save up Enhancement Cores, you're you're negating that currency. You're just like, I have 300, I don't give a frick, I'm going to infuse every time. Well, when you do that, most people aren't sitting on piles and piles of materials, and you can only get so much Glimmer. So I just think those are more natural economic pain points to infusion. So... Uh, lightly. Any ideas on how to lower the reliance of Well of Radiance? Just nerf it or maybe rework the tree completely in a new super. Okay, Well of Radiance, in my opinion, is problematic from two sides. Okay? Number one, they consistently ask you to face tank while doing damage. Just stand here and get the freaking crap shot out of you while doing damage like in the current boss fight i mean the thrall comes out i mean i guess you could have somebody managing thrall and he doesn't really shoot at you but a lot of the bosses unless you have absolutely perfect execution you end up getting shot by leftover ads it happens in scourge of the past too and it happens in last wish if you don't get rid of all of the ogres and if you do get rid of all of the ogres I mean, even then, you're wasting time killing ads. Like, there's always... At least it felt like this in D1. It always felt like there was a clean handoff to damage phase. It's like, now we're doing damage, just dump on the boss. And they changed that philosophy, it feels like, in D2. Now, in in Leviathan, like, Kallus is the only really boss you fight, and you're up on platforms so the dogs can't get you. So you don't really need to face tank there. But even in that environment, it just makes sense to run a well because it's buffing everyone's damage. And then you go into, you know, Shuro Chi, whenever you're fighting her, all the ads are dead. But when you get to the final damage phase, a lot of times the ads can spawn and hurt you. Uh, And then Scourge of the Past and Spire, I'm not Spire, sorry. Scourge of the Past and Crown of Sorrow, they have you doing damage and have you doing things where like, it just makes sense to put a well down. You're getting focus fired you're getting hit with tons of damage and so they're not just we're not just relying on well of radiance they're creating encounters that really promote well of radiance and if we imagine that they didn't 
Like, imagine if they didn't create encounters that promoted Well of Radiance. You would still use it because it, it's a damage buff. So even if you had really clean damage cycles where there were no ads, there was no damage that you had to worry about, you could just, like, stand there and shoot the boss, you would still run a Well, or at the very least, you would just run an Empowering Rift. Like, if Well wasn't in the game... You would just run an empowering rift, and you get the same. You get the same impact for the most part. Like everybody's standing this, it's going to buff all of our damage. And to a certain extent, I don't necessarily know if they need to remove that from the game. Not just well of radiance. I'm just saying, from a design standpoint, is that a problem? We satisfy the pain points, right? Ads are coming, majors are coming, mechanic. You check off those three boxes, and you fight your way. You just fight your way to damage phase it's almost like damage phase is becoming the the extra point in football you fight and you fight and you fight and you score a touchdown and the extra points just kind of like this mechanical thing that every team nails you know 99% of the time and the fact that we fight and fight and fight and fight and you earn your way to damage phase I think it's okay if a lot of the times you're just standing there and perfecting maximum damage output I, I think that that's okay I don't necessarily think I have a problem with it. But because of that, I think Well of Radiance is just always going to be present because of what it does. It's a it's a multifaceted super. It keeps everybody alive and it adds to your damage. Like why would you not use it, you know? It's kind of it's it's almost like one of those no-brainer strategies. It's just underneath every strat. CP4 Gators, what do you think is the middle ground? Between the raid being challenging, aka you die some, and the raid being insta-wipe if one person goes down. I think this 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 raid is really close. It's really close, because the way that, like, if my section has a blessing and a non-blessing, and the guy with blessing dies, well, in the second to the last encounter, you're, you're kind of like, oh, well, you gotta go grab a blessing, they have to shoot it. So you can kind of recover. But a lot of the times, it's just like, if one person dies, and then you blow that token, and then you gotta pass that blessing, everything tends to unravel from there. I'm okay with that, though. I'm okay with an unraveling effect, as opposed to, like, in King's Fall, where it's like, oh, you fell, that's a wipe. We'll never make it back up in time. It's not possible. You run out of time. Um... So I think if I had to choose between the two, I would much rather have it to be where if someone dies, it creates like the beginning thread starts to unravel from the sweater and then it's really, really hard to come back from. I would honestly prefer that and then just remove the token system because I think sometimes you get so close to beating it and then getting wiped by... There was a time earlier I was like, we're never going to do enough damage in 45 seconds. Like we're not even too... We were about to go to damage phase but 45 seconds wasn't going to be enough time. It was like we were going to run out of time and get wiped by the by the wipe timer. Well, in my, in my opinion, if we've done one good damage phase, we've satisfied all the mechanics, and someone flubs a jump or makes a tiny mistake and dies, and no one can res them, I'm like, why can't we just take a crack at this? That That res timer, I just think, needs to go away. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't make sense to have an ever-present, one-size-fits-all, permeating, like, soft and rage. I just think it's stupid. Because you have a team that's doing their best, they're learning, they're trying to get better, and they do it. They get there, right? They finally get to the point where they're like, yes, let's go to our second damage phase, let's get him. And some dum-dum dies. And you're like, 
that was our we don't have any tokens we got 40 seconds we got 30 seconds whatever we've run out of time and people are like well if you were a good team that wouldn't happen well what do you mean though we are a good team we got in there we did the things we satisfied that we did good damage we're going to last damage phase and what kills us not the boss not a failure to satisfy mechanics not ads not enemies a little countdown timer in the corner kills us I just, I don't think it's serving a good purpose anymore. If you want to limit how many times we can res, that's totally fine. You give us six tokens, word. We can we can work around that. We can work with that. And if you design a raid like Crown of Sorrow, a lot of the times you're going to run out of tokens and you're going to die anyway. You're not going to satisfy the mechanic and then the boss's enrage is going to kill you. That's where the enrage and that's where the team wipe should come from. You missed a crystal. You didn't stun the boss. Those are things that should wipe the team. Not some ever-present, static, you know, freaking always-there, soft enrage. I just, I don't like that. I feel like it's just this weird import from Golgoroth that is just always, 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 it's just, it's, it's never not around. And I feel like it ends up creating those weird instances where, like what happened to us, Man, let us take a crack. Let us take a crack at this. We could have tried one more time. We could have rallied and and tried to do enough damage and we didn't even get to. It's just, it's this throw in the towel, like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to beat the dead horse. I don't like it and I don't think it belongs in the game. Uh, C Chases. How has the raid been holding up as in being broken or not broken? It's pretty glitchy. Um... It's pretty glitchy, and that's unfortunate. We've had wipes because of glitches. Um, We had a wipe because we killed him, and he didn't die and came back. We've had wipes where you punch him and he doesn't stun. Uh, We've had wipes where the blade comes down and he's just not perfectly close enough. There's some glitchy, like, you gotta be perfectly precise, and in a peer-to-peer environment, I think they need to chill out a little bit just a little bit it's like eh, you guys aren't giving us dedicated servers client to host resolutions are sometimes wonky you should have a lot more forgiving mechanics it was like in Kingsfall where if I saw you jump and land on your plate and I timed it to where I landed right after you latency would screw us if I had a better connection with the host it would register me landing before you so we started saying don't even jump until you see the other guy land like don't even jump you like don't even do it because latency will screw you this feels similar to that there's these weird windows of time where two people have to do something in succession and sometimes it's just like nope you didn't do it and i'm like ah we did your game's just laggy so that's kind of uncool um so i would be more forgiving you know if they're player testing in a land environment all those mechanics probably run pristine and perfect and then you run it in a, in a live environment with peer-to-peer connections and lag in different regions and things start to fall apart and that's irritating. Like, it's irritating. Sanctified one. What do you think Titans need to be on par with Tether Hunters and Well Locks? I honestly don't know. They need something though. I mean, they really do. They're... Titans just are in a weird spot and I think what they need to look at doing with them somebody last night was like do you think we're going to get darkness powers do you think we're going to get darkness subclasses and I was like no I think what they really need to focus on is making the existing subclasses better 
there's so many subclasses that just don't get used and titans just feel so underutilized and so weak in endgame pve content my charge would be you guys really need to look you really need to look at the 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 subclasses and the titan specifically that's just totally underutilized seven electron hey lono do you think warner should have a rune trade system for example five runes for the one that you want yeah i don't know they give you so much agency i could see where you're coming from on this you're gonna end up with like a dog like just an absolute stockpile of runes that you don't need right what are you gonna do when you have 35 runes for gauntlets and you're like i don't need gauntlets right i i want to grind for guns i could probably get behind this but maybe not initially, maybe wait like a month and say, hey, you know, we're looking and it seems that people are ending up with a pretty significant stockpile of runes they don't know, you know, they no longer want, they're not using them. We're going to give you a way to dismantle them for Imperials, as, as Dupe saying in chat, or trade them in, you know, like you're saying, five to one, I think would be okay. Because they're going to have to consider that's going to be a reality you're going to end up with an, an, an unbelievable, stupidly sized stockpile of runes that you're not interested in. And what are you supposed to do with them? You know? Blackbird. When do you think we will see the effects of the Allegiance quest? I have no idea. Uh, M. Dragoon. The world's first race was great with it being a day one reset launch thing. Hard disagree. Uh, but it's kind of sucked for the guys that just wanted to get the 24 hour completion, especially on console. Do you believe the raid launch on reset is the way to go from here? No, not at all. It was terrible. Th- there wasn't a single person in that race that thought it was a good idea. There was nobody in that race that thought it was a good idea. Almost unanimously, they did not like it. It was stressful. It was so, so rushed. They should have given us till Friday. You have the contest modifier. There was no reason for that window. Do you want to know why they did that as the window? They were getting ready to do marketing. They wanted to get the raid out of the way, crown the winners, do the stream in that order. It had nothing to do with what was good for the player base. It was based on their marketing plan. And in the future, as long as those timings of marketing plans aren't aren't like collapsing on themselves, we should have no problem getting a week maybe a week and a half like they did with Last Wish have that contest modifier so it's universally difficult for everybody and then there's your there's your there's your world first race uh, hey shiz the fact that only one console team was able to complete the raid day one speaks volumes to me Xbox player here do you see that as a problem or just something we have to deal with since PC players are so good and day one race seems to be challenging them I don't actually know what I would say why that is the reason I mean, why would a console player be struggling in that raid? Were there frame rate issues? Were there glitch issues? I mean, I'm, I'm using a controller on PC, and I was arguably, if you go back and watch the stream day one, probably the strongest player in the team. I died the least amount. I mean, and I did have a hunter. Hunters have some utility. They have some advantages. But, like, I was using a controller, and I was easily least deaths strongest player and I don't I mean I don't know I don't know why console struggled if it was a frame dipping issue that caused latency and caused some of the mechanics to fail um so Ashton and I later oh they released a video on finishing moves somebody give me a summary in chat how they work we can maybe talk about it included in this Q&A because I'm actually really curious about it 
Ash Annihilator says, I love Season of Opulence, but I'm already feeling the burnout. I have good rolls now on the Menagerie's guns, and the only thing left are the Pinnacles. Is this again a problem with the loot system? Well, this is where I think Luke Smith would tell you that's why they want to add depth in the future and in September. Because there's always the danger of giving you agency. If they give you agency, you grind like an insane person. And let's be honest, you got a lot of your god rolls cheesing the chest. People are getting a turnover of loot that is unnatural. Because they're going up and down, up and down, up and down, and opening the chest numerous times. So when you're like, you get seven SMGs in a row, well, I, I don't... I don't think that that's a sign of a problem in the loot system. You're getting guns way too quickly. And if you're getting guns really, really quickly like that, you're getting to the god roll faster than you should. So that has to be considered that people are doing the exploit in the menagerie. The other the other thing that has to be considered here is when you give players agency even if you wouldn't have done the chest cheese, you could still no life the game for a couple of weeks and then get the rolls that you want and kind of feel that burnout and be like, oh, I don't really have anything left to do. Um, so, and someone in chat saying there's no way anyone will grind the thing naturally if they patch the chest farm at the end. I don't know why you would say that. I think that is, com- that is that's absurd. If people are not going to play Menagerie because they take out the exploit, I want you to think about something with me. If you play with a good team, it's a 10 to 12 minute endeavor for a guaranteed piece of gear. That doesn't exist anywhere in Destiny. If you speedrun strikes 8 minutes, some of the faster ones are like 5 to 6 minutes, but strikes are 8 to 10 minutes. If you speedrun a Nightfall, you're never guaranteed anything. I, I don't understand. What, what are you comparing it to? Right? Are, are you is there anything in destiny up to this point that you've ever run with not only that level of intentionality but that level of gear turnover raid you're getting spoiled by an exploit and you're like well I'm not going to run this content if they take the exploit out that's dumb like what now I could see them saying alright we understand that maybe you're not going to want to run it over and over and over again given the RNG on the loot pool so we're going to let you open the... Ch- we're going to put two chests in there. We're going to let you do it twice or something. But to me, it's like, do you remember my Imago loot farm? You know, and it, and what Peter Iliak's saying, forge weapons were a 15-minute loop and you had to go to orbit and do other things. This is literally a run it, pop the chest, run it, pop the chest, run it, pop the chest. You never have to go back to the tower. I don't know. I, I think... I, I think that's probably the most unfortunate thing about the exploit is it's going to spoil people into absurd expectations that are not based off of or influenced or rooted in like past experiences in the game I I don't know is it really an exploit they put 300 seconds at the end I'm maybe there's exploration maybe there's secrets I don't know dragon tat that's a good thing to add to the discussion why are they giving us so much time right why are they giving us so much time? The powerful drops are worth it, but not the god rolls, or maybe put a chest after each encounter you could use runes on. Now that I could get behind affliction if you beat the boss from that section. As a reward for like playing well, they could put uh they could put a, a chest after every section or something. I don't know. 
Check Bungie Twitter. I mean, I'm in the middle of Q&A. Somebody in chat said it wasn't anything different than what they showed in the Vidoc. Um, yeah, there's lore to go gather, right? There's like lore to go find. Uh, London Bates. Are you going to try to get the shadow badge? Uh, I don't know what that's for. Evil the Waffler. Do you think uh, they will save better loot in the raid for Age of Triumph? Or do you think they just did a it great because most people can't get it and complain? Um... I mean, I don't think Bungie should ever look at their aspirational content and say, if we put good loot in here, people will complain because they can't run it. I I think that is just such a terrible attitude to have. You should never look at aspirational content and say, well, people that can't get a team or people that can't raid aren't going to be able to get this. That just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm going to be real brutally honest with you, okay? If you're a casual player and you hardly ever run raids and that's your attitude, you're probably going to be pretty irritated with the future of this game. Because if they go and they lean into MMO and they lean into RPG, you're going to need to run aspirational content for the best gear. Just write that down. You should set your expectations now. And I think that's far better game design. Because you can cross your arms and pout and complain all you want. If you get your way, it completely delegitimizes aspirational content. If I give you your way, if I'm a genie and I'm in control of destiny and you come to me and you say, Lono, I want you to grant me this wish. I can't ever run raids. It's really hard. I'm too busy. I don't have friends to run it. Please don't ever put really good gear in the raids. It's not fair. And I like cross my arms, boom, pop my head. And I'm like, wish granted. That wish, if I grant you that wish, completely deleg- delegitimizes and de-incentivizes aspirational content. It ruins it. Why the frick am I going to struggle through? You're admitting that you struggle to do it because it's hard or you need a team and it's all this stuff in your way of getting it done. And in your mind, the logical conclusion is the gear shouldn't be that good. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's a contradictory way of thinking. It's a non sequitur. Non sequitur means it does not follow. If content's really hard for a casual player to get in, it does not follow that the loot shouldn't be good. Like, where does that logic come from? It just doesn't. It doesn't line up. It doesn't work. And what are you going to, how are you going to feel if in six months your life situation changes or you fall in with the right people and you can raid on a regular basis and all the gear sucks because I granted you your wish? Or it's just kind of like, eh, it's, it's, it's shoulder shrugging root loot. Like, eh, it's okay. It's okay. Like you don't want that in the game. It's a terrible loot hierarchy. You don't want that. It's, it's absurd to think that they should set up really tough content. And then the justification for putting crappy loot in it is that it's, it's hard. Well, it's hard and not everybody can do it. So we put junk in there. It's like, what? Why'd you even make it then? Like, what's the point? It doesn't, in the, in the grand scheme of loot pursuit games, MMO games, RPG games, it is nonsensical to argue for that. It just is. There's no way, if they continue to do it, it's just going to be a continued black eye. Like, you spend all this blood and treasure and bandwidth making dope raids, and then you throw a bunch of ho-hum loot in it because you're worried casuals are going to complain? I mean, they're not going to stop playing. They're not. Oh, you put good loot in the raid. I'm done. They're not going to stop playing. Do you want to know why? They didn't stop playing because Vogue had that. They didn't stop playing because 
because Wrath of the Machine had that. They didn't stop playing because Age of Triumph had elemental primaries brought back as exotics. Nobody stopped playing back then because you had to raid to get those awesome, dope, only place to get them trophies. Nobody did that. It's just, it's a, it's a total... It's a total phantom fear boogeyman to be like, well, people will stop playing and get mad if you put good loot in the raids. I'm just like, I don't understand what... So we're just going to keep cranking out dope raids like Last Wish, Scourge of the Past, and Crown of Sorrow, works of art, amazing mechanics, tons of creativity, and ho-hum, like, just junk loot. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. It's It doesn't. It, it's, it completely breaks down the, the, the flow and philosophy of a game like this. Uh, and I'm glad to hear Coach is saying in chat that the new boss in Menagerie is pretty cool. Might have to check it out after this Q and A. Uh, London Bates, when you talked about D2, when you talked to the D2 devs at E3, what did they say when you told them to make a raid like Wrath of the Machine? Well, Scott was curious what I meant. He's like, well, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "I think Wrath brought value points that need to be brought back forward." I said there was an in-game currency, there was clutchable fights. I could reroll my gu- guns, and I could—I'm sorry—I could reroll my armor with that currency. There was a reason to run it more than three times. I was like, "Those are value points that are absent from these raids." I didn't even get on to the fact that the loot was bad. I hadn't really looked at the loot in Crown of Sorrow but if I would have looked at the loot I would have told him and the loot needs to be more unique and more powerful there's nothing special about the loot in Last Way Scourge or Crown you know throwing one dope exotic in there is not enough it just it, it's to me it just isn't it's not enough it's it would be like saying well Vogue had Vex class, so the rest of the guns can suck it just doesn't make any sense to me Flowing T-Man, do you think the new raid and Menagerie armor having an additional mod slot for Leviathan mods was a good move, or will they continue to do that moving forward? I mean, I like the idea of having more depth and investment in the gear. I just think if you're going to do that, they need to think differently about it. If I can get a a piece of Eververse armor that has a slot for, like, a raid mod, to me, it makes more sense to have, like, raid gear drop with intrinsic raid perks, and then an intrinsic set bonus, too. Like, go that way. If you want to have extra slots, activity activity slots, mod slots, that's fine. But like that should be on top of the intrinsic attributes of the gear. You know, like if I get a piece of raid gear, I'm okay with it having a mod slot and an activity mod slot. It should have intrinsic value within the raid itself. Oracle Disruptor, the, you know, increased armor holding a Siva charge. Yeah, yeah, things like that. So... And granted, people in chat are bringing up, you know, pieces of gun, you know, pieces of loot and guns in the past raids that weren't very good. You know, Atheon's epilogue, and there were others, right? Like a lot, there was tons of gear in King's Fall that wasn't very good. The rocket launcher in Wrath of the Machine was junk. You know, machine guns at the time weren't very strong, so the machine gun in Wrath was created, but it wasn't very strong. Uh, you know, the fusion rifle and the sidearm, like, I think the sidearm was actually really good in PvP, and so was the fusion, but, like, in PvE, the fusion rifle and the sidearm from Wrath just weren't very good. Like, that, that, that th- those points are, are well made, but there was still Genesis Chain, Chaos Dogma, you know, the, 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 de- the Ex Mechanica sniper rifle, there were plenty of things worth chasing in those raids that you couldn't get anywhere else. You couldn't get the Genesis chain anywhere else. You couldn't get the Fatebringer anywhere else. And that's what we need. We need that element back. It's not even like, oh, you got that gun from the raid and it's the strongest gun ever in the game and it destroys everything and it's so not fair, I can't get it. Just make it unique like Genesis chain. 
Genesis Chain wasn't a game-breaking gun. You weren't like, oh gosh, so unfair. He got Genesis Chain. But the Genesis Chain was cool because you couldn't get Focus Firefly anywhere else. That's that's the point. Duplis, should they add the luxurious toast emote to the Crown of Sorrows or Menagerie loot table to add more incentive? I mean, I'm not going to say no to this, but that's not a strong enough incentive. Uh, Fat Adam, in your opinion, should raid exotic drop rates be increased for the older raids? Yeah, or just do a quest. Just drop a quest in the game for Last Wish and Scourge, and after six completions or nine completions, you just get the freaking thing. You know, like, I don't an account-wide quest, just let people start grinding for those after they're gone, after they've been in the game for so long. I don't think there's anything, there's nothing wrong with putting a, a 1,000 voices quest in the game right now. This is nothing. Why? Why not? It's who ugh, the drop rate, and then nobody wants to run Last Wish. Scourge is gonna fall by the wayside too. People are gonna be like, dude, I don't want to run freaking Scourge, even though Anarchy's really strong. Um, OG Maybach says, "Do you think they should revert the raid gear back to D1?" Yep, hundred percent. Bring back the intrinsic perks. I agree with you. FWC Guardian. Do we need good raid loot if Bungie keeps refusing to add hard mode raids? I think we need both for either one to work. I'm going to say yes and no to you, okay? First, I'm going to say yes, especially if they're giving us stuff that makes us stronger in the raid. If the armor and the guns themselves have perks and powerful elements that make you stronger in the raid, I agree with you. We need a hard mode. We need a heroic mode. But... At a ground level, even if you don't give me a hard mode, the raid gear should be unique and it should have perks on it and things on it like Genesis Chain that I can't get anywhere else as an incentive and as, a, as, as, a, as something that's special. Heavy lifted. Between the pinnacle weapons and the raid weapons, which do you think should have more significance or power in the Destiny world as a whole? I'm okay with them being even. That's one of the problems right now is you can grind Gambit and get the delirium and it's not hard to get the delirium and it's better than the machine gun from the raid well why why wouldn't you at the very least make the raid machine gun as good as the delirium put something on there right like called like blessing of the hive or something and it glows green after you know a multi-kill so you can't do death tally but if you get a multi-kill it gives you like blessing of the hive and it glows green and it does this insane like extra damage as well as dot damage it like puts that green curse on them I don't know something like that like what you know and then you're like oh if used properly this could match the delirium and then you've got and boom well you put pinnacle weapons in the raid uh yeah it's a pinnacle activity that's essentially like how the game works like that's exactly how it should be you know a rare drop version of the machine gun masterwork with cool mods yeah yeah curated versions too I would even be okay with that I would be okay with that the guns in the raid are pretty normal pretty ho-hum they look cool they handle cool but the curated roles are where the love is that's where the special that's where that's where it gets special right that's where you get your genesis chain with focus firefly right when you get the curated role I would be 100% okay with that. And I would be in there each week going for those. That would be like chasing the Fatebringer. Think about what that does, right? It rewards you, but you're like really hoping for like the quote unquote Fatebringer because it's the curated role. And 
unlike Vogue, where you're like, didn't get it, didn't get it, didn't get it, you're just getting a bunch of no's. No, 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 no. You just don't get the Fatebringer. You're at least getting the weapon to try it out and see if you like it, how it handles, how it feels. And then when the curated roll drops, you throw confetti in the air and scream. Because you're like, oh my gosh, I got it. That's, I would be okay with them doing it that way. Because that would at least then add that level of RNG. And then if you take that and you add that to what Fin Freak is saying, after your first three runs, they should just be dropping non-powerful. So then you can be in there as much as you freaking want, grinding for the curated roll. That's another value point that I think is just a must at this point for raids. FWC Guardian. Do you prefer raid exotics like 1K or raid exotic quests like Touch of Malice? I could go either way. I think 1K's drop rate's just too low. I think 1K should have a really high drop rate the first, like, 10 or 12 times you run the raid. So it's almost, by the time you get to your 12th raid, it should just be very unlikely that you don't have one. I just don't have a problem with that. You can only run three per week, man. Like, you get to your 12th raid, that's a month into the season, you know? I I don't know. I think there's a better middle ground... I've even said once you run the raid 12 times, it should unlock the quest. After a month, if you've been faithful to run it three times each week, it unlocks the quest for the gun. Now, it can drop before that if you're lucky, but if you're not lucky, that's there as like a backstop. Dan Papa says, I love the new ideas for the armor, the modern slotting, etc. Do you think they are going to do this to the weapons too? I, I don't have any clue, man. I, I just I want more perks that we've never seen before and I want more perk diversity so random rolls have just more depth. Eknor, do you think Bungie will ever go back to full weapon sets in raids or at least weapons with different elements? I think we should go back to elemental primaries. I think every single energy primary right now should just slide up into the primary slot and every single secondary that's in the kinetic shot slot should slide down and just make the weapon system simplistic. Threat level and those snipers and toil and trouble should just all be in the secondary slot. Just go back to primary, secondary, and heavy. Give us elemental primaries because elemental primaries don't freaking do anything in the game. All they do is pop shields. So... Give us elemental primaries again. Simplify the the weapon system. And when you do this, then you could say, here's the secondary's efficiency level. Fusions are not functioning at the secondary efficiency level. Raise them in this way. Do this thing to make them have, you know, better lethality. You could do the same thing to sniper rifles. You know, you could do the same thing maybe to sidearms. You'd have to be careful with PvP. Maybe tweak it separately. But the weapon system is a confused, muddled mess right now. And that's the simplest way to fix it. Primary, secondary, heavy, and give us elemental primaries. It's not going to make us too strong. Elements don't do anything in the game but pop shields. So, I I think that that that, that would be one of the best ways to fix the, the weapon system, and that would be a much better foundation to build off of. Listen, if Bungie's wanting to build off of a foundation for the future, for Shadowkeep and beyond, this weapon system ain't it. This ain't it. It's muddled, it's confusing, it doesn't make sense. I don't care that I can equip three grenade launchers or three shotguns that's that is an illusion of freedom it is an illusion of freedom there are so many elemental primaries that just get left in the dustbin because you have like four or five kinetic secondary options and that's it and i just don't think that should be the case it's a lopsided dissonant mess and they shouldn't build on it they should fix it first before building on it that that is my 
digging my heels in the sand stance on the weapon system. If you're going to try and build for longevity, this system's not built for longevity. It just feels haphazard and slapped together. And it's the result of them having to be reactionary and forsaken. And I love that they try to get us back to the original feel, but I just think primary, secondary, heavy is so much easier to navigate with strength and power. And if you're trying to make fusions better or snipers better or whatever, if they're all in the same slot and obeying the same rules, it just makes more sense. And then they could add legendary trace rifles because you just, you'd have a slot to put them in. It would just, boom, legendary trace rifles. That would also give them the freedom to, I still think they need to take swords out of the heavy slot. Swords should be in the energy slot because of the way that you use them. It's not a matter of making them stronger and giving them more ammo. It's a matter of their function in the game is a shield-popping gut buster, and it makes more sense for that to be in a secondary slot and not a heavy slot. So, Evil the Waffler. I know uh, you don't think we will leave gear behind, but personally, I would love... I would love that. Think how much you would need to grind if you left everything behind. Well, homie, I would love that too, but I just don't see them adding enough loot to make it work. The only way they pull this off is if they replenish every single NPC's loot pool, give a reason to grind all the planets and the weapons and the armor sets there, and then leave behind, like, vanilla gear or something. Like, that would be the only way to do it. You can't leave behind stuff we just got in Season of Opulence. That would not fly. That would go over like a lead balloon. Now, what you got in Opulence, if you have to start letting go of it, like, next year in July, I don't think anybody would really complain about that. You got to have it for an entire freaking year, and with a level... This is this is another reason... Think about this with me. I'm going to land the plane for you. If you're like, we should never leave behind gear, I'm going to land the plane for you right now. If you are given the intentionality that we have in Menagerie, that's the perfect pairing with leaving gear behind about 12 months later. Why? Because nobody's getting gear in the 11th hour by the time you get to a year later if you don't have the gun or the roll you want it's because you didn't go for it you more than likely got the gun and the roll that you wanted because the level of intentionality that they're giving us means that you should be able to really own your loadout which means 12 months later it shouldn't be that big of a deal that they're like we're replenishing some loot pools and all this gear has a 12 month shelf life it can no longer be infused and my comeback to people that says well that's not fair why are you taking my gear away I'm not taking your gear away just because you can't infuse it doesn't mean you can't use it you could still use it in strikes dailies public events public spaces adventures lost sectors you would really only need to leave them behind when you're going into the aspirational end game content nightfalls raids maybe something new like the menagerie that they put into the game and then you gotta use the new stuff then you gotta kinda like start infusing and investing in the new loot pools I'm telling you, the increase in volitional, like, agency towards loot is a perfect pairing with saying, in 12 months, this stuff gets left behind with respect to infusion. Because if you don't do that, the loot pool is just going to become absurdly bloated, and you're never... Do you really think that come September this year, or January of 2020, you should be still clinging to your Midnight Coup and your Ikelos shotgun? I just think that, I don't know, that, that doesn't seem sensible to me. It, you gotta hit a reset point. You just do. Taken King is one of the most praised times in the history of Destiny, and you literally left everything behind and you started over fresh. And I think that starting over fresh created a sense of fun, fresh. There's a world out there in front of me, and that's one of the reasons I think people like Taken King so much. It just... 
you have fond memories of Taken King. Nobody looks back and says, you know, Taken King would have been a great DLC, but I had to leave behind my Fatebringer. I just never really got over that. No! Everybody loved Taken King. It was the most praised time in the game, you know? And and then a year later, we got Rise of Iron, and then a year later, we left everything behind because we went into Destiny 2. It's just, I don't know. It's the natural course of things in games like this. Stuff gets left behind. Uh, Belden, should raid-specific perks make a return? 100% yes. JD Gamer, do you think we could see Bungie putting new weapons and gear into raids year 3? I touched on this. I touched on this. I could see them saying, alright, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go back into all the raids, and we're gonna give a, we're gonna give a, we're gonna give a, um, a hardened version or a current light version where you go in at the current light of that season and all the gear gets a facelift new perk pools new stuff, new mods the armor gets new stuff, new mods and so you can run those raids and go do those things if you want I could see them doing that because those are loot pools that are kind of disappointing and those are loot pools that can be rejuvenated those are engagements that are fun those are encounters that are fun you know, why not? Now people get recycled content. I'm just going to keep putting the recycled content people in the corner because 10% of the community engages with the raids, so recycling them is totally fine. And what good is it to constantly leave behind loopable content like Blind Well, Infinite Forest, The Forge from Curse of Osiris, uh, Escalation Protocol, The Forges from Black Armory, Reckoning? Why should we just leave these things behind in a dustbin? Why? Make the case. If you haven't touched them in 10 months to a year, why not? You should you should almost want them to. Like, you paid for the content, and it's just sitting there. Why not pay for a season that fills the game with stuff, fills the game with loot pursuits, and goes back and rejuvenates content you've not touched in 12 months? Why wouldn't you want them to do that? So the recycled content, like reskin content ninnies, can sit in the corner. I just don't know why you would leave so much of the game on the shelf to gather dust and do nothing with. I just... I don't know. It's I think it's a short-sighted view of the game, personally. Um, I feel like I missed tons of subs. Oh my gosh, I missed so many subs. 39 months from Ric Flair Woo was like three hours ago. I think we were in the raid. Frick. Worked a game. Ogens. And then Dark Knight, Tenantius, Friendly Fire, The Sage Network, and Snashy all resubbed. I'm so sorry. I missed so many subs. Um, Hondog. What are your thoughts or plans on figuring out the 15th wall wish for last wish raid? With something about it, different season, it might be available. I don't really focus on that kind of stuff. So if Raid Secrets figures it out, dope. If not, that's not really my thing. Wario Poet. With Shadowkeep coming in the fall with a new armor build, do you think the old gear will be left behind or will they bring that forward also? Here's my theory on what's going to happen in September. I think they're going to create new uh, new structures to the weapons and new structure to the armor so that you really, really want the new stuff. The new armor is going to have like all this new cool stuff you can do with it and the new weapons, same idea. So when you look at your Ikelos shotgun and your Midnight Coup and your God Roll gauntlets that you love, you're probably going to really feel the pull to use other stuff. 
because they're gonna be like well in shadow keep we've introduced a brand new structure to armor drops and weapon drops and they drop with x y and z extra x y and z this and that blah 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 and you're gonna be like i really want that they came close in forsaken right you look at weapons and they've got like you know uh they got like extra perks they have you know the extra perks they've got the mod slots but they just didn't go far enough because a god roll is still a god roll from year one. A Midnight Coup is still great. An Icolos is still great. They don't need the the extra perks and the mod slots. It doesn't it doesn't really put them behind in any in any in any sense. In any sense. So that's the last question. I am not gonna shut the stream down, so don't go anywhere. If you enjoyed this content, be sure to click the follow button. That's the heart button. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. As with all my content, I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe.